scripture text for today is found in 1 John uh, verses, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Verse 1 before, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for the opportunity of getting to just come back to you on this Sabbath day and abide in you and with you. May you guide my words. May you keep everyone in the palm of your hand today as we listen to you. And may you speak to us and may we learn more and more about you and how we can be not only servants, but just your children. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Adrian Hope Church. What an honor to be with you all this morning. It is a pleasure to be with you, even if it is through Zoom. Um, that's the power of technology. I just want to say before I start off that you are all lucky to have Pastor Michelle as one of your pastors. Uh, we met my first year of seminary in the year of 2018, fall, through our several classes together. We took a preaching class. We also took a year's worth of Hebrew with one of the hardest professors in seminary. Oh, my word. Um, we bonded over that struggle. We bonded over just the different quizzes that we sometimes bombed and then we aced. And it was just it was just a matter of like a lot of anxiety. But we got to bond and our friendship started over that. And throughout the years, we were able to just connect overall. So she is definitely a powerhouse who speaks truth with such firmness that it's so God given and it's it's appointed and anointed. So again, you guys are all lucky to have her and treasure her. Throughout the series in First John, she was able, uh, she was able, Pastor Michelle was able to break down themes in the book regarding the light of God, God's love, the children of God, not loving the world. And she pointed out also having fellowship with God is not a call to perfection, but a journey of truth. That's powerful. And in other words, we are not meant to be perfect, but we are meant to grow. She's also hit on spiritual growth and God being that perfect love last week. Pastor Vanessa, another colleague of mine, got to make an appearance a few weeks ago and highlighted that because God is, we are. Because we are loved, we are saved. The sacrifice that Jesus made does not only give us, does not give us a license to sin, but if we sin, if we sin, if we fail, we do have an advocate, and that is Jesus Christ alone. There is always grace, there is always hope, and there is always a way back. But it's important to know where to head if that occurs. And now Pastor Michelle gave me the opportunity to wrap, the, wrap up the series on this book of First John. In this epistle, we were able to find a few contrasts such as life and death, truth and falsehoods, light and darkness, children of God and children of the enemy, love 
and hate. Now, what does this all mean? With chapter five being the climax of the book, concluding what the author was meaning to say, what does this all mean within this chapter? And so before that, I wanna start with a quick story of mine as I was growing up. When I was a little girl, I remember my mom telling me and my brother when she would be away um, for the day, either if it was for work or for running errands, my brother and I were old enough. We were around um, middle school entering into high school. So we were old enough to check up on each other in case she needed to go and whatnot. And so we would be okay with just watching TV or playing inside the house. It would usually be during the summertime. And she would tell us, make sure you do this and that. Laundry, make sure the room is clean during the day, but also don't forget to take out the chicken from the freezer. Now, your pastor here, your girl still eats chicken, don't hate me. I'm still a child of God. Um, she would say that first, and then she would say that at the very end. Even as she was leaving the front door, she would say, don't forget the chicken. <laughs> And she would even call a few hours later to check up to see how we were doing. And then she would say, hey, just don't, don't forget to take out the chicken. No, around 4 p.m., <laughs> we would hear a car drive in the driveway. And what did me and my brother do? We would quickly take out the frozen chicken from the freezer, place it into a pot slash bucket of hot water and go back to what we were doing. We would completely act natural. My mom enters the door, ask how our day was. It was pretty chill, did nothing, it was summertime. Then she gets settled in a bit, then heads to the kitchen. We hope she doesn't notice, but she notices. And we don't hear the last of it. She would say, I thought I told you guys to take out the chicken. Dinner is going to take a longer time to do. And she just would, it would happen multiple times. And, you know, she would handle, she would make it. Um, she would tell us, why did you guys forget? And we would say, we forgot. We didn't do it on time. We were so caught up with everything else. And when we remembered, it was too late. Now, I don't know if anyone else can relate when mom says something and we don't listen, we don't hear the end of it. And mothers, you know those moments, you know when you let your children know what to do and they still don't do it, it's it's frustrating. And so I, I'm not a mom, but I do apologize on behalf of all children and all kids and all, of all adult kids like myself. We're all humans, we all forget, and sometimes we get distracted which is why repetition is key for us. And even then we still sometimes mess up. We need accountability every now and then. And I believe this is why the author kept repeating several themes and several phrases in order to get to this group of people. You see chapter five is the conclusion which the author of this letter declares. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe in God, if you love God, you love Jesus. Not only are these two interconnected, but these indeed are one. And this echoes to the gospel of 1 John, um, to this, this echoes to the gospel of John, my bad, in which Jesus answers to Philip, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? For those that were seeing Jesus as something else, no, no, no. He is the son of God. He is one with the father. And I want to bring forth the very last verse of this chapter. 
to bring the main idea. Verse 21. It's pretty short, straight to the point. Dear children, keep away from idols. And don't forget to take out the chicken from the freezer. <laughs> it's pretty much a weird way to end this letter. It's not like Paul's good old farewells in each of his letters. I believe the author here is doing this to reinforce the accountability for this group that is in mere confusion. Just in case you forget anything I've said and have written down, keep away, stay away from idols. Don't get distracted. If you needed the extra reminder, here it is. Just in case, please, out of everything I've mentioned, keep away from idols. Please, please, please don't forget. Recognize that Jesus is the true Messiah. Don't look anywhere else. Without Jesus, without knowing who he really is, it's going to be difficult in life. If you don't recall anything I've said in the last few chapters, my children, my dear children, keep away from idols. Believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Believe in these characteristics I'm sharing with you. Believe in these that I shared in these last few moments in this letter. Believe that he is love, that he invites us to journey with him, that we are saved under him, and that we are because he is. And if you believe in these characteristics and are confident in these characteristics, know that you too are to hold these characteristics. You and I may not be the son of God, there is only one, but you are made, we are made in his image. We are all made and designed in his image, for we are God's children. So here the author insinuates, not only is Jesus included in this picture, but so are we. The author in this chapter gives meaning to the interconnectedness to not only Jesus and God, but also the interconnectedness that is with humanity and between them. Now let's break down the text in this chapter even more. As other pastors have mentioned, in a time in which there was so much idolatry, crises of faith, crises in general, false teachings, and overall, I believe, theological assaults, the author longed to express in this letter that Christ is the being that deserves all our attention all our faith and all our devotion. There was no need for anything else to take his place. Not only was he the son of God, but he came down, stayed for a while, sacrificed himself and resurrected. Christ died just like any other human would. However, he was the being that rose again. No other being can help us overcome. No other being could recognize our struggles and our falls. And no other being's blood could have saved us from them. There is no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. And focusing on Christ leads us to the Father. Verses 1 through 3. Here, everyone and anyone who declares belief to Jesus is God's beloved son. Uh, God's beloved son, and everyone who declares to love the father loves Jesus as well. Everyone who has believed has been adopted, and that's a beautiful thing. They have been brought into the family of God. We are God's children. But how do we know what we or what they declare is true? How do we know if what they say and believe is true? They follow his commands. 
And what are these commands, you may ask? I think most of us know these well. The Ten Commandments, the Jewish laws, mm, not quite. Here the author is referring to, to the commandments of Jesus, and I'm sure we know those too. Love your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. The commandments of love, or the law of love. In fact, it says it in verse 3. You want to show your love for God? Love him and his people. And as Pastor Michelle highlighted last week, the people who love God love people no matter what. I know it's hard, but... If you want to show love, don't covet, don't covet them, don't steal from them, don't kill them, don't be disloyal and commit adultery, don't bear false witness, don't bear false witness against them, but honor them. Keep the Lord's day holy, don't take his name in vain, don't have any gods before him, don't have any idols, don't make any other images. Yes, most of them are filled with you shall not, or in King James Version, thou shall not. But in fact, these are boundaries of love, boundaries of love to the one, capital O, and to us. And so, yes, it's the Ten Commandments, but follow them knowing that they are about love and that they should be followed with love. For we know that we live in a day and age in which the word love and belief is thrown around so easily. We need to keep that in mind that in order for us to say we believe in something or we love something, well, how do we show that we love? How do we show that we really, really believe in something? We show it. We show it with, with our actions. And I know that many people could be thinking just like in this text, wow, this is a list that's too much work. <laughs> what a burden, like the text may say, it's burdensome. But the reality is, is that if we love, if we genuinely love, this will not be burdensome at all. The fact is, they will just flow. And if we love God, the love of God will flow through you. And so will following his commandments. I believe that the author not only repeats about keeping away from idols, but also he emphasizes on keeping his commandments as in the last few chapters he mentioned as well. You want to show you truly follow Jesus? They should not be a burden, but a way to express care, respect. And I believe here that the author is pulling a James. Faith without works is dead. Belief without showing, it's pretty much nothing. Expressing your belief may be only mere words. Only that could take you so far. Demonstrating your belief, I believe, gives you a sense of empowerment. And as we see in the following verses, our faith, our belief, our love makes us also overcomers. And we're going to also break down verses 4 through 12. Verse 4 goes on with, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcoming the world. What does that even mean? Those who are faithful, those who believe in the one and show it are abiding in Jesus and who in the following verses is the one in reality who has overcome the world. We overcome through him. Through him, we are more than conquerors. Jesus here is the one who actually overcomes the world through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. 
He overcame and conquered not only sin, but the evil realms that captivate us every single day. And I don't know about y'all, but when I think about my life, keeping it short with this year alone, it's been a rough year. It's been a heck of a year for everyone in different ways. For me personally, there were several battles that I've had to face. Battles that including dealing with my past, battles that included with my own thoughts, as I mentioned in the introduction in the welcome. But I was able to overcome because I knew I had someone by my side who not only overcame the world, but was right there with me as I was doing so as well. And I believe that yes, yes, life is hard. Life is so hard. It shakes us. It leaves us so anxious and it sometimes freezes us. It, it just causes us being unable to move. But we have a God that is there, a Savior that is by our side going through it with us. Not only as we become victorious, not only in the end game, not only at the end, but as we, as we are becoming. He is with us on the journey to overcome. Those sins, those struggles you face, that trauma you have, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, because you believe you can overcome, you too can overcome. Because you believe there is hope, there is power when there is faith. I wish I can stay here, but we have a lot to go over still. Moving to our key text of six through nine. Verse six, it's quite a feisty one. Here the author describes Jesus as the one who came by water and blood. And according to some commentators, this may be a phrase from an ancient creed. So to understand its meaning, it's quite a bit difficult today to break down. However, if we look at the symbolism of these items, we are able to discern them just a bit more. Water, in which washes and cleanses all stain away, fresh, pure, kind of like a baptism. We may say that the water being referenced here is aligned to the baptism of Jesus and how sacred that moment was. He didn't have to do that, we know. He was perfect, left perfect. There was no sin in him. But I believe the anointing from the Father was what defined it. This was the moment that distinguishes all baptisms, distinguishing him as the beloved Messiah and as the beloved son. The blood may symbolize the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross and overall cleanses every sin known to humanity, representing atonement, death, and also in a way, bittersweet purity. Commentators also highlight that both water and blood flowed from the body of Christ after he was pierced by a soldier to make sure that he was indeed dead. The author may have included this as a way to dispute the Gnostics who were teaching that Jesus was a pure spirit, meaning that he was a cosmic being who only seemed to have a physical body at one point and then elsewhere. As mentioned by the other pastors, in the midst of this church or group of churches, there was a sense of um, Gnosticism, Docetism, a certain brand in which regarded Jesus as a heavenly revealer who sometimes would appear as human and who escaped death by returning back um, to his heavenly home. And so in these few verses, the author is strongly refuting this argument once again. Here we have, hey, Jesus pierced, let him water. He was checked, verified, indeed dead. 
Jesus was not only a spiritual being who got to opt out, he was divine and also 100% flesh. For the soldiers could tell that through blood and water that he was indeed dead. Through that they were not only to declare that the they were not only able to declare that to the Roman government, the religious leaders at the time, but also to the public that they were able to prove that he was indeed gone. There were also witnesses all around to verify it. But we know as the story continues, we all know what happened. We all also know that in the midst of the pain and turmoil, the spirit of God was also there as a witness too. The word became flesh as the fourth gospel highlights. Through the spirit, we were able to receive full witness of the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes, there was verification. People saw what they saw. But I believe that even human witnesses could only do so much. There was a bigger witness than anyone else in humanity. And we see that going back to 1 John verses 1 through 1 and 1 3, the author claims that to have been an eyewitness of Christ, he claims to have been one. So here he basically insinuates that the spirit, the blood, and the water. His eyewitnesses means nothing compared to those three that testified. All the eyewitnesses' presence were minuscule compared to the power of the witness from the, from the spirit, blood, and water. The spirit of God himself witnessed to Jesus dying and is even more reliable than any other of the witnesses present. Yes, I know. Without the authors of the four Gospels, we wouldn't have had it in writing. But I believe if we believe the power of the Spirit of God, there would have been a different type of witness. And we in the 21st century still would have known. There still would have been something there to give us that light, to give us that Gospel. We would still be preaching about it today because of the power of the water, Spirit, and blood. And with this testimony, we are granted eternal life, as it says in verse 11. Because of this, our punishment as sinners is not death. Instead, we are granted grace. We are granted a new life in Christ. This new life begins right now and is available through a relationship with God's beloved son, Jesus. And I also want to point out that the blood of Christ gives of life, gives of life, salvation. It gives us a new opportunity to a new life. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ does not give us amnesia. I'm keeping it as real as I can because, as I've mentioned before, life is hard here on earth. Because, but because of Jesus, we have a chance to be fully alive and the ability to conquer, to overcome, the ability to achieve freedom. The ability to achieve freedom is a godly ability, so don't waste it. Seek help through community, whatever resources you have. The books always have Christ first. Here, he's the one that gives us vision, who provides strength. But the reality is that if we are called to be overcomers and conquerors in Christ, there are items that need to be conquered and overcome in our own life differently. Each of us have different things. For I do not know any of you guys personally, each of you guys personally, but I know for a fact that we all have problems. Each of you guys have gone through a hardship or is going through one 
at this moment. And as John 16, 33 says, my, one of my favorite verses, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a fact. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Through him, through Jesus, we are overcomers. But we are also called to take heart, take community, take hope, take help, and overcome. Verses 13 through 15, as we move forward, the author here, who he moves on and now decides to finally say goodbye after a few chapters, he's decided to just conclude. And here he says, because you believe in Jesus, know you have eternal life. Not that you may achieve it, not that you will have it, but that you already have it in you. You have eternal life. Unlike the false teachers of today roaming around, wanting to deceive, have confidence that this God is not only true in approaching, but also worth doing so. All of these other idols that you may be thinking of approaching or believing in or whatnot, there is no other that can grant this. For when we approach Jesus with the desires of our heart and are aligned to his will, he, would not, he will not only hear us, but we will see also wonders. Unlike the false idols being presented, this God is able to grant the desires of our heart. Verses 16 through 17. And if anyone sees their brother, meaning a fellow Christian committing sin, sin not leading to death or total destruction, pray for them. And not only that, but be with one another. Recognize that we may fall to sin. Know that it happens. For we all have struggles. We all have witnesses, weaknesses. Personally, I know that when I fall or when I have made mistakes over the last few years, especially now learning more and more about myself, I realize that if we keep things secret, we will also have to deal with the shame and the guilt. And often that is the part that will drain us the most. It will consume us the most. Share your woe with someone, your fault, your mistake. Trust me, sharing it with another person, I can tell you from experience that this is growth. That is community. That is prayer. That is part of the vulnerability we have as a community. But also for those that are listening to those people, to one another, pray for them, pray for one another, be with them, don't judge them. You also know that life is hard and it surprises us every now and then. Let us pray for one another as Jesus prays for each and every one of us to be not led astray. The journey is hard and it's a long one. Let's call each other out, not in judgment, but in love, the law of love. Let us care for one another and to allow ourselves to be with one another in community, to all follow the same God that loves us. For he provides even after sin, even after we fall. I believe that the sin that the author may have been referring to in this text that may lead to death is the sin of denying Jesus as Lord. This we see echo throughout, not only in this chapter, but also within all of the chapters in this letter. This refers back to, to verse 12, in which whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever does not believe does not. 
However, there is always a way back, and that is through Christ. As a community who believes and has faith in the one, capital O, pray for one another, empathize with one another, be there for one another. 18 through 21. Jesus is the one who is true. He is the one true God. And so if we are with God, as verses 18 through 21 continue, then who can be against us? Really, who can be against us? Yes, evil roams on this earth, in this earth, but if we abide in the one, the power of the evil will not overpower us. We will overcome. We will become conquerors. Those who do not sin, as referring to the sin mentioned, those who do not depart from Jesus to follow idols will be untouchable, are untouchable. If we set our eyes on Jesus, our faith will be untouchable to the enemy that is continuously, continuously wanting to distract us with anything. We must also recognize that as we do have faith in Jesus, um, we do live in a world in which the enemy reigns. That is the truth. We see it all around. But through Christ, not only have we received understanding, but we have received faith, faith, hope, and love that surround us amongst all the evil. That is a lot more powerful than the evil that surround us. And so the author ends here with verses 20 and 21. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in, this, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is a true God and eternal life. We have received the insight and understanding that through his spirit, word, and prophets, we have received that in order to recognize him, in order to recognize the one. Not the ones, because again, several things going around this church community, different idols, different beliefs, different ideologies, ideologies but the one, capital O. Here we see that the Father is calling Christ God and that he is the truth. And the awesome part is that we are in the Father, we are in the Son. With all of this to say, as stated in the beginning, verse 21, my dear children, my dear, dear children, as a way to say goodbye in an endearing fashion, and again, cutting it short, don't forget to stay away from idols. Now, the people of God were not new to this concept of staying away from idols. Here, I believe there's like an extra oomph, an extra emphasis, because idols have been mentioned since the Old Testament. <laughs> My dear children, as a form of endearment, don't forget this one thing out of everything I've said, because if you do, it'll be hard. Don't fall. Don't you've seen you've seen the people of Israel, you've seen the past, you've seen the other nations as well. Don't lose yourselves. Stay away from idols. Follow Jesus, who is the true, true God, who is the one. So where do we go from here? Once again, if you haven't heard anything else, keep away from idols. To know Jesus is to know God. To know Jesus, you embrace the spirit three in one. No one else, nothing less. Once again, it's interesting that in his last statements, 
he's like, wait, don't forget this one thing out of everything I've said, just, just stay away from idols. Idols were not only gods and false teachings here, but also referred to anything that stood between you and God. It could be anything. And so my question, my set of questions, what could idols mean here in the 21st century, in the year, year of 2021? Whether physical or spiritual, anything that could distract us from putting God first, I believe could be considered an idol. What is separating you from having God fully, Jesus first over all? How can you fully embrace your belief in the one? What is distracting you on putting him first? What idols do we have that are holding us back? What is your personal idol? Who do we put our faith on? Is it the one, capital O, or a faith or faith in A1? Is it politics? We have a lot of that, especially in the last few years. We see people hold on to that so dearly that they give their values away for the sake of a position or a vote. Social media, in the last few years, social media has been booming. Technology has been up and out for necessities and whatnot. It's been an awesome way to connect, but at the same time, it could truly isolate. It can make one feel great, but also make one feel so insecure. We obsess with likes, shares. We sometimes wait for a notification as we are reading our Bible or our Bible app. Believe me, I've been there. I get it. We face distractions every single day from apps, notifications, text messages, technology, social media. It's all around. And the interesting thing is that we also have access to God in that way, not only through his love, but what is offered in regards to books, resources, Bible apps, worship music, the latest podcast devotional. We all have access to it. We could also be bombarded with that as well. if We truly want to. But again, there are so many distractions all around us. Are we putting God first? Is it money? I feel that that's where it could be. I don't know. That's where all of us could lean back. Money means security. Money means stability. Money means providing. But is it everything? Is it work? Do we work for purpose or do we work for value? There are so many items overall. You can take your pick. Is it religion? Is it the law itself? Overall, my question is to you, what is your idol? Who is your idol? And like this church or group of churches, perhaps as people of God, we are in crises because we face an outpour of information, an outpour of vanity. We sometimes get caught up in it and we question, well, what is truth? What is truth? Where do we go? Church, Advent Hope, what is your idol? Because today we are facing so much chaos. We sometimes don't know where to turn. We don't know who to turn to. And a modern day idol could be something we can turn to without even realizing it. What is something that is straying away, that is having us stray away from our focus? As a church community, as a whole, as a collective, what is distracting us? from the one? What is distracting us from the truth? And maybe the question we should ask ourselves is, who is truth instead of what is truth? 
now that we've seen truth, now that we've seen Jesus, as the author mentions here, it's our time to trust, to have faith in the incarnate son of God. Do not lose sight on who you are and who you belong to. It's not by force, but always, always, always by invitation. If you want to be a part of the children of God, it's always an easy access, but it's your choice alone. And keep in mind, if you stray away, it happens. It's life. We're human. There is always hope. There is always grace. There is always community. Advent Hope Church, I believe you are a vibrant community that supports one another and prays for one another, even from afar. You all may not have the same distraction, the same struggles or trials, but we all have the same one to turn to. Pray for one another. Keep each other accountable, not in judgment, but in love. Always love because God is love and because he loved us, we are saved and we are. With Jesus, we are given the power to overcome and to achieve great things. But what the author is asking is for us to not lose sight of the one. Because if we do, we are lost. We hear people mention God. God is love. God is dope. God is awesome. Oh my God. Good Lord, etc. with the name of God. But when the name of Jesus is mentioned, hmm that hits differently. That will make heads turn. How can we express ourselves as believers of Jesus Christ? By staying away of falsehood, by loving one another. Church family, let us be in spirit of truth and not in the sp spirit of falsehood. Don't stray away. Keep away. Be the people of the truth. Be the people of light. Be the people of growth. Be the people of faith. Be the people of love. Be the people of God. Be the people of the one. Stand firm in the faith. Faith in the one and have him above all things. Don't lose sight of who you are as children of God. Don't lose sight of who he is. Be and embrace the fact that we are his children and that he wants to journey with us. As imperfect in life can be, he wants to journey and grow with us. Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus beyond all doctrine, beyond any political stance, beyond any ideologies, beyond you and I. Jesus, let that always be first. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this reminder that there are so many things, there are so many things out there distracting us from you and who you are and who you're calling us to be and the family you are calling us to be a part of. Bless every person here. You know their woes, you know their struggles, you know their tri trials. Give them the strength to overcome as you've overcome the world. Let us keep each other accountable. Let us pray for one another and keep us close to you always, to not get distracted and to be aware that you are indeed the person to look up to. Thank you for everything. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.